0: Friends, today, let me tell you, you have a job to do and you've got a task at hand. If you call yourself a Christ follower, if you say you're one of the branches on the tree, if you say you're part of the family of God, you have been born again, you have a task at hand for you're a servant of God. And let me just say, if you ever get the idea that you are not needed that you're not valuable, that your gifts don't count, and that God doesn't seem to be concerned with what you have to share. Let me just remind you about this, and that is that one voter in every precinct in the US could really vote the next president. That's what's happened before. In 1948, just one additional vote in every precinct would have elected Thomas Dewey as president. In 1960, one vote in every precinct in Illinois would have elected Richard Nixon. Thomas Jefferson was elected president by one vote, I'm told, in the Electoral College, and so was John Quincy Adams. Rutherford B. Hayes was elected president by one vote. One vote gave statehood to the states of California, Idaho, Oregon, Texas, and Washington. And the Draft Act of World War II passed the House by one vote let me remind you today that your vote matters and counts and your spiritual gifts do as well. And you know, you either use it or you lose it. And to have the right to vote but never to exercise that vote is the same as living in a country that doesn't give you the privilege of voting. And in like manner, to have special gifts and graces, which we all know that God has given to us, and not to use that, It's just like not even having a gift in the first place. And Jesus here tells a parable to illustrate this truth in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 25. And we're going to talk about it today because we're in a sermon series right now. We're calling From Me to We. And let's face it, we are better together. And if there's anything we've learned in this pandemic and in the season that we have found ourselves walking through over these last couple of years, it's that we need one another and relationship is really important. Being part of the vine is really important. Being part of God's kingdom is crucial to be in that right relationship with Jesus Christ And we're living in a consumeristic kind of culture where it seems to be for a lot of people, it's all about my wants and needs. But I wanna remind you today, it's not about you. It's not about you. And that's what this series is all about, being the church that really impacts the world. And friends, we're better together. And more than ever, we need to unite and join hands and hearts with one another as we live out our faith to love and uh, live and serve and work in God's vineyard. You know, in Matthew 25 here, we learn some really great principles in living. And I preached on this text a few years ago and talked about the importance that we find here in this text and some of these principles like ownership and allocation and compensation. And today I want to give you another principle that just leaps out of this page to me about what God wants us to know here and live in his kingdom, kingdom life. Now, in life, as you know, you really have three opportunities before you. You can uh, waste your life, or you can spend your life, or you can invest your life. And probably all of us have a lot of time that we have wasted in life. How many have sat through some news programs or some sitcoms or read some kind of silly book and, and you just wish you had the hours back or those times you spent playing games or uh, the times you've been surfing on the Internet, wasting your time? We all have things in life. We just wish we could get the hours and the days and the time back. There's also the ways that we can spend ourselves to death. Things like spending it on a career, spending our time with work, spending our time with our hobbies on the golf courses of life, and so many other things. But there's another way I submit to you that is greater than all of these, and that is to invest your life in something that's great. Investing your life in something that especially is going to outlast you and be tremendous. Great blessing to people. You know, the Bible makes it very clear that one day you're going to have to give an account of your life. And I know sometimes when we get in our 30s and 40s, we have these midlife crises and we begin to think about, well, what am I really done with my life anyway? And I could have done this and I could be doing that. And we begin to survey our life. Well, one of these days, that's going to become a reality for you at the end of the life. And you're standing before God and you're going to have to give an account It's going to be an incredible audit that takes place of your life with what you have been given, the resources that have been bestowed upon you, the time and minutes that you have been offered, the service opportunities, the witness potential, the going to church and worshiping the Lord. And there's going to be a moment when you're going to give an account of what you have done with what God has given to you. And part of the purpose of faith community is to get you ready for the final exam, to help you get in that right relationship and be living a life as Christ Jesus taught us to live. Now, Jesus talked about this a lot in the Bible and how often Jesus would say, to whom much is given, much is required. And, you know, 16 out of the 38 parables that we find in the Gospels, concern how we handle with what God has given to us. In the Gospels, an amazing 288 verses talk about this. One-tenth of the Gospels speak about this directly with the subject of our possessions. And so the Bible offers all kinds of verses and instruction about prayer, all kinds of things about having faith, but you know, thousands of verses on how we handle our resources And since Jesus talked about it so much and since it played a particular importance upon his mind, don't you think as Christ followers we need to give this a lot of attention in our life? Matthew 25 is just one example of this, the parable of the talents that Jesus shared with the disciples and us. And a parable, of course, is a story that teaches us basic spiritual truth. And Jesus is doing that here in this story. And he tells the story about a man who goes away. And before he goes, he gives some of his talent to three different people. And then he comes back and he asks them to give an account of what they have done with it. And in this story, the master represents God, and the servants represent us, and the talents represent the talents, the resources that we have been blessed with. And out of the story here, Matthew 25, we learn some life principles as I shared, like ownership, like compensation, like allocation. But this other principle, I think, is so equally important, and it's the principle of utilization. And I want to remind you about that today, which essentially means it's wrong to bury what God has given you. Now, in this story, of course, the man first that had five talents goes out, and he takes those five talents, and he invests it, and he doubles it. An incredible ROI, return on investment, is wonderful for this guy. He took the five talents and doubled it. I don't know what he invested it in. It was the Microsoft, the Facebook, the McDonald's, whatever it was of the day. He invested that money and doubles it. And he was a wise man, and he got a double return on his money. And the master said, terrific job. You're productive. It's amazing. You're wonderful. I like what you did. And then the second guy comes, and he said, you know, I didn't have five talents, but you gave me two. And I went out and doubled it, and now there's four. And the master was overjoyed with that, couldn't believe it. He said, boy, you are so productive. Good job. You're productive with what I've given you, and you have demonstrated your faithfulness. And then this third guy comes along, and it says here in the scripture that he said, Lord, you only gave me one talent. And you know, basically he has this attitude, I was afraid I was gonna lose it, it was really precious. And so I didn't do anything with it. And I went out in the backyard and found one of those old oak trees and dug a big hole and buried it there. And nothing ventured, nothing gained. And this guy's philosophy here is all about being cautious, all about being conservative, And he's saying, I'm going to play it safe, and I'm just going to set on it. And frankly, he seems to indicate here that he has the attitude, I don't care. You gave me this. You gave me this blessing, and that's great. It's wonderful. But I really don't care, and I'm going to ignore it. And notice what the master's reaction here is to this guy's uh, presentation of all this. And it says in verse 26, he replied, you wicked slave, you wicked servant, He said, the least you could have done was take the money and put it in the bank, and at least it would have had simple interest. And he said, you did nothing at all. And you have to understand here, this guy was irritated with a capital I. I mean, he was really upset. And he says, you wicked servant. Now, notice the word wicked. What do you think of when you think of the word wicked? I I can't say that I think of losing money in the stock market. I don't know about you. But when I think of the word wicked, I think of the big sins out there. I think of things like child abuse or murder, taking somebody else's life or cheating on your spouse, adultery or rape or all kinds of wicked things like that. And what has this guy done? He hasn't murdered anybody. He hasn't abused anybody. He didn't rape anybody. He committed no biggie sin. What was it that this guy has done? He did nothing with his life. He did nothing with the resources that he had been given. And God says, that's wicked. I mean, I know some people are going through life saying, well, it's not that bad. I haven't killed anybody. I haven't done anything really wrong. I'm not stabbing anybody in the back. Uh, You know, I haven't beat up any grandmas out there. I'm not selling anybody short. Uh, I'm living a pretty good life, but I ask you, have you buried the blessings that God has given you? And if God has given you certain talents and abilities and blessings, even the gift of the day, don't you think you ought to be using it? As I was thinking about this sermon, I thought, well, Maybe I really ought to title this, How to Be Wicked Without Doing Nothing, because that's really what's going on here. A guy that's been given this blessing and doesn't do anything with it, he's saying you could be wicked without doing anything. It's the sin of omission. It's the sin of passivity. It's the sin of inactivity. It's the sin of saying, God, you gave me a time that I could serve you, a time that I could go to church, a time that I could work in the food pantry, a time that I could do good with the resources that you have given to me to love other people and to serve you. But, God, you gave me these things, but I did nothing with it. I only wanted to please myself what do we do when you bury something? You know, when you bury something, you put it out of sight, out of mind. You bury it in the backyard, you don't do anything with it, and you don't remember it, and it's just in the past, and you go on with life, and you don't wanna face what's happened, you just bury it, and here's the point. You cannot please God by playing it safe. You say nothing ventured, nothing gained, but that does not please God. And if you don't take any risk in life, you don't use the blessings, the gifts that God has given to you, you don't need any faith. And if you don't need any faith, then you can't please God. Because the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And in fact, the Bible goes on to say that whatsoever is not a faith is sin. And so he's saying, you've got to move out and you've got to invest. You've got to follow me. And take up the cross and live for me. Now, there's that adage in baseball that they used to say, you can't be charged with an error unless you touch the ball. Well, I don't know if that fits here in this case. You know, in Jesus' day, bearing treasure wasn't considered a bad thing. People did it all the time as you read and you study People living back in that culture, it was very normal. People would go out and bury things. And they dig it up all the time where people forgot where they buried it or where they died and forgot to tell somebody about it. And it may not have been an admirable thing, but many people did it back in the day. But perhaps here, if you stop and think about this even further, this, this one talent servant's action could have been even more devious than we think. And he figured if his master was going on a long journey, there just might be a chance that he didn't come back. And if the servant put the money in the bank, he was going to have to list it as the master's name. And when his master didn't come back, his family would get the talent that was left over. However, if he buried it in a backyard, there wouldn't be any record of it. And if the master didn't come back, the servant could have it for himself. And if the master did come back, the servant couldn't be accused of any dishonesty because he could just, oh, there it is, I found it. And unfortunately, this guy was busted. And this life was exposed. And he wound up less than nothing. You know, it's wrong, friends, to bury whatever it is that God has blessed you with. It's wrong not to... Use your time to witness for others, not to use your time, your talents to serve, to love, to live for the Lord. And we need to be investing the resources that God has so generously given to us. I want you to hear a story of a person in our church who is doing exactly that, Uh, a, a person that is really giving and helping in a mighty and wonderful way. I want you to hear from Bob, Bob Hutt, who has been investing his time and energy and resources on a passion that God has given to him. Watch this clip.
1: My name is Bob Hutt. My family and I have been members of faith for 22 years. And um, I have a passion. I'm also known as Bob the Bike Guy. So there you might understand where my passion comes from. I like to ride and I like to repair bikes. Part of repairing bikes and giving them away was Tara's idea at stepping forward, someone she knew needed a bike to ride to work. That was my first bike giveaway. And since then, I've done over 400 bicycles. There's a real need for the kids that are not as privileged as other kids. They don't have the money. Part of fulfilling that need, it reminds me of my favorite verse, Psalm 2711. Teach me thy ways and lead me in a plain path. Nothing fancy, but I need to know the way that God wants me to go. When I started doing this uh, bike repair, I knew Right from the beginning, this is the way God wanted me to handle my, my talent and part of my treasure. Because some of the bikes did cost, they weren't all free. Hopefully, I can make an impact on all these little kids that need and want a bike. We give bikes away at the Princeton Village. It's a trailer court village and they don't have a whole lot of cash. So we would go there, give them lunch, and then I would give bikes away or repair the bikes that they had. So in the process of doing this, there's this one little kid, the cutest little kid named Kevin. He came up to me with his mom and he was very shy, you could tell. And um, he wanted to know if I had a boy's bike for him. And he was about seven years old. And I said, at the time I didn't have a bike. So I said, I'll keep my eyes open and get back with you. That day a bike showed up on my back, on my driveway, just exactly what he wanted. It only took a little bit of repair. So I took that back the next week, gave it to Kevin, and he rode off smiling, and I was repairing bikes, and he came back. And I said, Kevin, is there a problem with your bike? He said, no, I just wanted just, <clears throat> I wanted to say thank you. And that just, every time I think about it, it breaks me up because it's something I enjoy doing. Um, another story, a mom came up to me at the same Princeton Village giveaway. Um, she wanted a bike for her dad so he could ride with his grandkids. And I said, well, I don't have one with me. But I can get one, so I came back the next day, gave him a bike, and he took off and went to his house. The next week, when I came back, he uh, he came around while I was repairing other bikes, and he actually gave me a hug. You know, here's a a little kid who's excited and thankful. Here's a grown-up who's excited and thankful, and it just makes me want to do this more and more. This is part of making Jesus known. Jesus wanted us to lead by example. And if we can use our talent, our time and our treasure to lead by example, whatever your example might be, that's what we should do and focus on that.
0: You know, when I die, I want four words on my tombstone, and I want it to say, at least he tried. I may not attain, I may not realize and get to all the goals that I've set for my life, but at least I'm gonna die trying. Because what I'm trying to do is for the glory of God, to invest my time and energy in the work of the Lord, And it's ultimately what today are you doing with what God has blessed you with. Notice in the story, the one guy had five talents, the other had two talents, and they went out and doubled theirs, but it was the one talent person who did nothing. And just maybe you're sitting here today thinking, well, I really, I'm not a superstar. I don't have much to give. I don't have much money. I don't have much time. I really don't shine. I was never the top in my class but what are you doing with what you have been given? What are you doing with what the Lord has given to you? You know, Blaise Pascal, who was that great uh, scientist, philosopher, he said, if you win, you win all. If you lose, you lose nothing. I invite you today to invest your life in God's kingdom. Shall we pray? Almighty God, we thank you for your love and grace and mercy toward us. And Lord, certainly for all the blessings that you have extended to us, we are amazed at how you have blessed us with so much. And Lord, forgive us when we fail to realize it. When we stop and think, well, everything we have is just something we've come up with. But Lord, help us to understand today that We can't take any of this with us today. All that you have provided to us, we can only invest it. And so, Lord, use us today, our time and energy, our talents, our resources, that we might invest in you and live for you. For your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.